Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our time of scripture and prayer. It's great to welcome you here, and uh, let's put ourselves in the presence of the Lord and ask him to bless us again today with the power of his word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we do thank you for the power of your word. It created us. It created the universe. It forgives sin. It raises the dead. It purifies and transforms us. It will bring us into your presence forever. May this word be in our hearts, on our lips. May it be the light to our path, the consolation in all our sorrows, the clarity in all our doubts, the strength that we need to do your work on earth. Bless us now with even deeper repentance for our sins, what we have done, what we have failed to do. Bless us with a deeper unity and service to one another and to your gospel of life. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's read this passage from the 19th chapter of Matthew's gospel. Some Pharisees approached Jesus and tested him, saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause whatever? He said in reply, Have you not read that from the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, man must not separate. They said to him, then, why did Moses command that the man give the woman a bill of divorce and dismiss her? He said to them, because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful and marries another, commits adultery. His disciples said to him, if that is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. He answered, not all can accept this word, but only those to whom that is granted. Some are incapable of marriage because they were born so. Some because they were made so by others. Some because they have renounced marriage for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Whoever can accept this ought to accept it. Well, friends, this is profound. I've told you many times before, everything in the Old Testament from the first words of the Bible to the very end are prophecies of Christ. So is the creation of marriage, a prophecy of Christ. Christ, the church, the whole church, Christ the head, we the members, the whole Christ, marriage points to this. God himself said in the Old Testament and the prophet Isaiah, for example, he says to his people, uh, your maker has become your husband. God talks in Hosea, uh, and in the Song of Songs and other places in Scripture about the, 
the great and tender love with which he embraces his people. God is our spouse, and Jesus calls himself the bridegroom. How can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is still with them? Jesus calls himself the bridegroom. His church is the bride. At the end of the scriptures, beginning of the scriptures, we see the creation of marriage, about which Jesus quotes here in this passage. At the end of the scriptures, we see the fulfillment of marriage. As you read in the book of Revelation, John saw the heavenly city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, beautiful as a bride prepared to meet her husband. That's the church. We, the church, are the bride. Christ is the bridegroom. You remember the parable that he told about salvation and judgment day being like the the arrival of the bridegroom. Everyone goes into the wedding feast and then the doors are barred. Time runs out. We have to be ready for the wedding. When we're at mass, we're at the Lord's Supper, we receive his body. We're making marriage vows. He's the bridegroom. We're intimately united with him. He said, I am the true vine, you are the branches. He said, Paul teaches we are members of his body. Peter says we are living stones in the temple. This unity of God with his people, of Christ with his church, is the fulfillment of the prophecy, which is the creation of marriage where Almighty God says, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Christ, the eternal son, will leave his throne, be joined to his bride, the church, give himself for her on the cross, total self-giving, and the two shall become one flesh. Which two? Christ and the church. We are his body. Marriage the union, the closest union two people can have, the union of husband and wife, is pointing to the union of Christ and his church and it will be fulfilled in heaven. That's why, by the, by the way, in Matthew 22, Jesus taught in, in, in heaven, they, they neither marry nor are given in marriage because marriage is, 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 is a pointer to this eternal union of God with his people. We will all be completely fulfilled in God and with one another. And so we won't need marriage there. But some, Jesus says, renounce marriage for the sake of the kingdom of God. What does that mean? We have people in the world, people in the church, the religious communities, or sometimes single people in the world, they will renounce marriage for the sake of the kingdom. Most priests, there are some priests that have permission to be married, but most priests, and I've made the same commitment, will renounce marriage for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? That means here in the world, we're, we're not looking down at marriage. We're not saying it's a bad thing. In fact, we're saying very much the opposite. We are saying to the world, look, all of us are called to be intimately united with God, all of us. And whatever calling we have, that's supposed to be the, the, the end result. And so, there have to be people here in the world who give a living sign and a reminder to the way things are going to be in the world to come. We're going to have full and direct union with God. We won't need marriage to point to that 
full and direct union because we're going to see it right before our eyes. And so some renounce marriage even now. It's like an anticipatory sign of not only what the world is going to be like, but of what marriage is meant to point to. It's give, the renunciation of marriage illuminates the meaning of marriage as a union with God. Okay, so they shall become one flesh. Brothers and sisters, Paul writes to the Ephesians this beautiful passage talking about wives loving their husbands and husbands loving their wives, mutually giving themselves to one another as Christ does to the church and the church does to Christ. And he goes on to say in, in chapter 5, verse 25, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Think of a, a wedding dress. You don't want to see any spots on it. You want to see any wrinkles. So the church dressed in that those white robes washed in the blood of the lamb, there can be no spot of stain, there can be no wrinkle of infidelity. He goes on to say that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. See, the two shall become one flesh. We are members of his body. And then Paul in Ephesians quotes that same verse from Genesis. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then he says, this mystery is profound. I am saying it refers to Christ and the church. The word mystery, sacrament. It's the sacrament of marriage. Now, marriage is so despised these days, it's so trivialized. It's so ignored and neglected, it's so devalued and misunderstood. A deeper understanding and respect for marriage, brothers and sisters, will lead to a deeper respect for life. Because it is in marriage that we find the beginnings of life. That total giving of love one person to another, is what is meant to bring forth a third person. The child represents that bond of love between the mother and the father. And the readiness to welcome that child unconditionally is, the red, is, is reflected in and prepared for by that welcome that the husband and wife give to one another. I accept you totally. I give myself to you totally. That totality of giving, that's the foundation for saying yes to life, welcoming life. That's it right there. And brothers and sisters, when that generosity is total, we can see that words that Jesus spoke at the Last Supper come to fruition because they're at the heart of every vocation. At the heart of every vocation is self-giving love, is the cross. This is my body given for you. Christ said it to us. Husbands say it to wives. Wives say it to husbands. Parents say it to their children. Clergy say it to their congregations. This is my body given for you. And in a culture of abortion and contraception, 
in a culture that says no to life, devalues marriage, tries to redefine it in our own image. They take the words and twist them and say, this is my body. I will do what I want, even if it means the baby dies. It's my body. Let's live those words as Jesus lives them. This is my body given for you. I give it away so that you live. I don't cling to it so that you die like an abortion. Abortion is the opposite of love. Love means I sacrifice myself for the good of the other person. Abortion says I sacrifice the other person for the good of myself. Thank God for life, for love, for marriage, and what they represent. Let's pray. Father, we bless today every married couple. Thank you for the witness that they give of total self-giving, just as you gave yourself on the cross, of the union of two in one flesh, just as you are one flesh with us, of the openness to life, the culture of welcome, not of disposal. Thank you, Lord, for what marriage is. May we always defend it, as John the Baptist did at the cost of his life. No one can redefine this gift. No one can throw it back in your face, Lord God. We accept it with reverence. Bless all who are seeking to be married. Bless all who are looking for a partner. Bless all who are married. Bless all who are having difficulties in their marriage, that they may overcome those difficulties through the power of love. Bless all as we bring all our needs before you and as we pray in the words Jesus gave us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray to our Heavenly Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Thanks, friends. Remember, you can call us, 321-500-1000, and talk about how you can get involved and support our work, 321-500-1000. Or go to ProLifeGift.org and support our work there. We rely only on people like you, and we certainly always need your help. Thanks for being faithful to the Pro-Life Cause. We'll talk to you soon. Each time a child is killed, many other people are wounded, and they may not even realize it. Mom and dad, grandparents, siblings, and friends all get hurt. Some of them grieve a life they helped to kill. Others grieve a life they tried to save but could not. Every abortion also hurts the abortionists themselves, who are dehumanized in the process. And abortion hurts the pro-life advocates who tried to stop it. They, too, must grieve the child who was killed. The wound of abortion is multifaceted, and therefore, so is the healing. The Silent No More Awareness Campaign has launched a new project to raise awareness about the many dimensions of the damage abortion does. Called Healing the Shockwaves of Abortion, this effort focuses each month on a different group of people who are wounded and need healing. Let's all promote this great symphony of healing. Visit AbortionShockwaves.com for more information.
This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.